0: Hello, everybody. Alex Kapitko here, and guess what? It's a Senate from Reality podcast. Uh, I want to just start by caveating and saying that I apologize for the rumbling noise you are hearing and just the bad audio quality in general. I am cruising through the middle of Wyoming in the car, and I figured it was time to just do an update, do a little rant, talk about a few things, and just let you know the direction of the podcast from here on out. And hey, when you're riding out here in the middle of nowhere, I can't really think of a better time to do all this, so here we are, and first I have to say, if you haven't been to Wyoming in the middle of the winter, it kind of looks like the moon. Now, I haven't been on the moon, so if any of you have been on the moon, please let me know your thoughts, but it kind of feels like the moon. It's 23 degrees out, flat with a bunch of kind of high mountains all around us, snow, ice covering everything, kind of one long highway going into the distance, you can pretty much see as far as you want, and it's just emptiness, and I'd imagine if you were on the moon it would feel somewhat similar, so honestly there's kind of a beauty of solitude out here that's uh, kind of hard to quantify, but it's, it's really beautiful, blue sky, we had a snowstorm last night, and it's, it's really cool. We're um, currently leaving Casper, Wyoming, second most populous city in Wyoming, and it was an interesting place, very interesting place. I I would probably go back. Now, Cheyenne, we spent the night in before, which is the capital. It is one of the most unique capitals I've ever been to because it only has 65,000 people or so, and while the capital building is kind of impressive, it just doesn't feel at all like a capital. There's just something missing there. But anyway, Cheyenne was okay. We spent a night there and drove through some of the state up to Casper. Casper, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd want to talk the politics with people there. I saw some Fuck Liz Cheney signs when we were pulling into town. I saw one that had Liz with a big X across it, and it said uh, Haber, H- Hagerman, or H- Hagelman, sorry, underneath. And that was that kooky gal who beat Liz Cheney out of her position, actually, in this area. I believe Liz Cheney was the representative for the Casper area, as far as I know. But as we know, she doesn't like coups and she likes democracy. And so Hagelman, Harriet Hagelman, uh, won, and she's a kook. And so I think she's now the representative of the area we are in currently, and she likes coups and all that stuff. But anyways, we we did have a great night last night. Um, we went to a brewery where you can pour your own beer, which is kind of interesting. They just give you basically like a card and they just charge you by the ounce. So it's kind of cool. Went in there and then watched the Niners game, which of course the Niners beat the Cowboys. Cowboys lost in the playoffs. Everything is right in America. But we saw it on a giant theater because this brewery actually bought a theater and you go into a big room with theater seats and little bar stools and then the game's up on the giant screen. So that was really cool met some nice people it reminds me why I think more Americans need to leave the big cities need to leave the coasts and go to the heartland go to the middle of the country meet people because I think you realize that there's really a lot of genuine fun out there so yeah currently still cruising through Wyoming uh lots of trucks pretty icy roads this morning uh we are heading heading west uh I am out of Chicago, no, no longer going to Chicago, not going back to Chicago. My time in Chicago has come to an end. And I cannot say I'm depressed about that, but it was, a, it was an era. You learn a lot. You know, After seeing the news and kind of like what the right-wing media has always said about Chicago actually going there, you find that some of it's true, some of it's not. Like a lot of other big cities, it has a security issue, it has crime issues. But also there's a lot of nice people there and good food. So that's all I can really say on that. But anyways, the reason I'm doing this little short podcast here is because I want to just first say podcast will be back next week in full. The road trip this week has kind of kept me, you know, unable to do a recording. As you're seeing, this is the closest thing to a a recording I've been able to do. But a lot is happening. So I I do just want to touch on just a few of my thoughts over the last week on some things as we drive through Wyoming. And, you know, when you're looking at these big blue skies, it's kind of good for reflection and contemplation. So we'll go with that. At first, I, without going into too much detail, I do want to just give some thoughts on the debt ceiling. Because, as I'm sure a lot of you are aware, again, the Republicans... There's a great article, I believe it was in... God, it was in CNN... And it talked about how there's a creature of Republicans that seems to come out every four to eight years. And these are the fiscal hawks who want to just throw a Molotov cocktail at our system, right? They did it during the Obama era. They made John Boehner's life hell. And they seem to only come up about every four to eight years when they want to do something about debt. And the article basically discusses how there's a breed of Republicans who come out of hibernation and care about the debt every four to eight years. Now, we need to remember that a significant amount of the debt was actually Trump's fault. And so it's just kind of ironic that Trump's party is now the one that cares about the debt when COVID, like forgetting COVID for a moment, when where Trump was so responsible for a lot of the debt that's happened. And so, of course, these same people now all of a sudden care about spending. For a long time, I have said, neither party cares about spending. The Republicans just claim to, right? Democrats think that spending is the end all and it's a good solution and we need to spend more on programs. I don't trust government as much as Democrats do, but I think then Republicans basically just have all these entitlements, etc., that just keep going through and they, they agree that spending is fine even as long as it goes towards them and they pretend to not like it. So anyways, the debt ceiling, the Freedom Caucus and all these other bomb throwers, they seem to believe that fighting this and not approving our debt will all of a sudden make us do budget cuts and maybe some discretionary spending can be changed. The problem here, and I know other people have said this, this is nothing new, is that the debt ceiling is not about future spending. It's basically like your credit card bill. It's basically like any spending bill from the year before. It's like, it's it's what we've already spent on. It's just approving it and passing it and sometimes raising the debt limit for future spending. And so the problem here is that all we need to do is basically approve it and start paying our bills or figuring out how we're going to pay our bills of stuff we've already spent. So if any Republicans out there say, oh, we're actually just trying to cut programs and agree on different deals going forward, this is stuff that's already happened. This is total BS. It's, it's complete grift and a complete lie. And that's why this is a problem is because all it's showing the world and I mean ourselves is that we're not good on honoring and paying our debts. And the problem with that is that there's a lot of countries out there that do rely on us. Also, the dollar is the standard currency around the world. And this can really do poorly for us in terms of how we communicate with other countries, how we work with other countries, how we get loans, how we get aid. And when, when our financial stability as a country goes into question, it's bad for everyone and it's bad for the economy. So right now, all that's happening with this debt ceiling crisis is that it's basically putting our credibility as someone that can be lent money into question, and it's really not good going forward. And so, there's something also just kind of ironic about this is that at least when I grew up, sorry, we got a little rumble strip there, passing a truck. Hello, truck, how are you? Anyways, um, there's something kind of ironic to me is because I always thought that conservatives were about paying your bills or at least being fiscally responsible. And this whole new conservative ideology seems to not care about that. So when we're talking about the debt ceiling, it's ironic because these are the guys that usually say you pay your bills, you hold true to your bills, and now they're not doing that whatsoever. And so it's going to be interesting. And the thing is, is that I am not one of the people who says we're going to go into a recession overnight over this because we can at least fund the central functions of government and we wouldn't even see these type of shutdown issues for a long time because we are at least open for the time being. But that being said, as you have seen people like our, our Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and others talk about serious issues down the road, including a recession. And if you look across the global economy and if you look at businesses in the United States, I mean, layoffs are happening more and more. I was talking to a friend who's, who knows someone who runs a company and they had 10,000 layoffs already. So these type of things are are constantly happening. And we're seeing it especially in the tech sector, which used to be this kind of burgeoning Successful sector and it's struggling, and the thing is, is that we have inflation, the war in China. I mean, the, not the war in China, the war in Ukraine, COVID, supply chain issues, China's economy stagnating. When you put all the put all of these things together, now with this with this debt crisis and these bomb throwing Republicans in the House, yes, there are some serious concerns ahead, and I just think it's kind of ridiculous that they're willing to play with fire like this because to me, it's just dangerous, very dangerous. And I don't know, I don't know really what's next. But Kevin McCarthy obviously sold his soul at discount price to the crazies. And yeah, that's that's all I'm going to say on that. But I, I just think we're gonna have to watch this debt crisis because the Republicans are being so hypocritical on it. And the Democrats don't have enough power in the house to do much about it. Moving on before I wrap up this kind of short update drive through Wyoming, I want to just talk about George Santos as well, America's favorite congressman. I'll, I'll start by saying as we've been riding through Wyoming here, I found a great meme, probably one of my favorites so far here. And it's a picture of, uh, of Santos, and it says, Dallas Cowboys announced their new kicker, George Santos. He was a four-time All-Star American at Auburn before his first stint as a naval officer. And I am just digging all these things about how much of a freaking grifter this guy is. I love it. I mean, this guy's lied about so much is that it wouldn't surprise me if maybe he was a walk-on, or maybe he's the one who's going to cure cancer, or maybe he did cure cancer. Maybe he's the first guy on the moon. I've seen great ones of him, like, Photoshopped next to, like, Stalin and Truman during some of the, I think it was the Potsdam Conference after World War II. There's some great ones out there. But in all honesty, this guy is a POS. I'll let you guys transfer what those, what those letters mean. But I, I just wanted to comment on the state of the Republican Party. And there's a great line from Ernest Hemingway in the book The Sun Also Rises, which I've talked about before amazing book. I recommend everyone read it. It talks about kind of the moral decadence and collapse after World War I and the lost societies it created. I think in a sense the United States is in kind of a lost era where we have a lot of people that are lost in our society. And anyways, there's a character named Mike who is always bankrupt in the show. And he is asked how he went bankrupt. And this is one of the greatest lines of all time. Mike says two ways, gradually and then suddenly. And I think a lot of different change happens the same, gradually and then suddenly. And I think the Trump era is a perfect example of gradually and then subtly. And what I mean there is basically the point of like, the Republican Party has become has become somewhat of a party that slowly went morally bankrupt, and now has gone completely morally bankrupt. And this is what happens when the GOP has become shameless. And what I mean by that is that, Yes, at first they thought Trump was bad. When he said, I like to grab women by the pussy, at first they were like, yeah, that's bad. We shouldn't have this guy. But then over time, they slowly keep defending him and keep treating him like he's fine. Then you have like Roy Moore, who was like hitting on high school girls in a mall in Alabama, and the GOP still went behind him because it was better than the Democrat. Then you have Herschel Walker, who paid for like 50 abortions, and then is still fine with the party that's anti-abortion. Basically what happened, and also he'd hold gun to women's head and his family was running from him. When you have a morally bankrupt party and you gradually let crazies into it, eventually it doesn't matter who's in the party. And George Santos to me is the culmination of a morally bankrupt party. He's the quickly version of the bankruptcy. And the Republican party just basically made a conscious choice to not care about character. They want to win. They don't care about character. And they even vilified people like Adam Kinzinger or Liz Cheney, who I'm driving through her district right now. They vilified her because she thought character was important. The GOP now appeals to people with no moral character. And when that's the case, and I, look, I'm not calling Republican voters all people with no, no moral character. Here in Wyoming, I've met a lot of good people with lots of moral character. But the people that the party is attracted to run for office are like that. And it's it's pretty sad. And. If you're now concerned about character, you're attacked. And that's where you get someone like our friend George Santos, who since the last time I recorded, I'm sure a lot of you are aware, has, you know, had scams to steal money from veterans and a dog died. He's a drag queen. He stole a scarf while he was at a Stop the Steal election for Trump. He, this is a guy who just is atrocious. And he's in the he's in the house now. And he's also get, been given committees... And it again shows me that the GOP awards people that have no character. And it's it's, it's a problem because until that is fixed, I don't see what this party does going forward. And it's tragic. It's heartbreaking. But again, something goes bankrupt slowly and then quickly. And much like in the sun also rises and much like bankruptcy, this is the case here. And... I think George Santos is now slowly almost becoming a star which is somewhat ironic after all of this. The last thing I want to say on our buddy Santos while we are on our drive through Wyoming, currently on I-80 now, uh, nice views, still feels like we're walking on the moon, but the last thing I do want to say about our buddy Santos and just moral breakdown is that you need other people to back people like him and in this case it looks like Elise Stefanik, representative from New York was actually a very big piece of this puzzle because, as I've talked about before, she was a never-Trumper who's kind of become a very pro-Trumper, unfortunately, and she's really been part of the grift in a lot of ways. And apparently she was really instrumental in validating Santos to donors. And what I mean here is there's reports from CNN that talk about how major excuse me, major donors, like this guy named Ken Salamone, were hesitant ...to back Santos, but Stefanik vouched for him and convinced them to back him, and Santos was getting thousands of dollars from some of these people, and a lot of them are now furious because they're like, damn, like, Stefanik, you know, vouched for him, backed him up, we trusted her, and they're like, did she not do her homework... Did the GOP not do their homework? Like, how does something like this happen? And so now a lot of people are like, look, Stefanik is the fourth in line or the, sorry, the fourth most powerful Republican in the House right now. And is it that she didn't know or did she know and didn't care because they're all into power over morals? It's a tough one. And it's something I don't really know the answer to, but there's a lot of questions. And boy, Stefanik, everything, everything you learn about her over the last couple years just makes her sound worse. She went from someone very respectable, part of that GOP autopsy back in 2012, and now she's just become someone who likes to be a MAGA person, though none of the MAGA people trust her. So I am not jealous of her, but I think there's a lot of questions to be asked about. Now, look, Santos is on committees. Like, they could have just brought him in and not kept him on committees, but now it's almost like they are completely validating him, and does he become a superstar? So anyways, dark stuff. The last thing i do want to talk about before we are out of here on this little brief update episode driving through wyoming is there's some bad news i saw this morning because i want to talk about shootings for a second because over the weekend there was one in los angeles but actually as i'm recording this i saw that there was one in des moines iowa where actually my mom and i were driving through a couple days ago and today i think like about an hour ago um, police are on the scene of a shooting incident with multiple injuries and the shooting was reportedly happening after 1 p.m. at Starts Right Here, which is a charter school that helps young people living in disadvantaged circumstances. That's according to some CNN reports I saw. And um, that's just one of the more recent shootings that we've all been seeing recently. Um, But yeah, it's kind of crazy. We were just driving through Des Moines a couple days ago, which shows me just the uncertainty of you never know where the next one's going to be. You never know what's going to happen. And it's just not, not good vibes by any means there. And so... It's a developing story, but it's just another example of how there's just constantly shootings everywhere, and it's not really stopping too much. And and as we are now crossing the Continental Divide, which is always interesting, I'm looking out into the distance, and it's going from hills to just bleak openness, which kind of sums up a lot of this area. There's like kind of a, a beautiful bleakness to it. I don't know if that's really a word or a description, but... The emptiness is almost peaceful. Um, Yesterday I went on a run out in the nothingness. It was like 20 something degrees. Ran along some old highway. It was like 70 miles per hour out there, but not many cars. My mom, who's sitting next to me, it was fun, wasn't it? Great time. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we we got out there and kind of enjoyed the bleak openness. Uh, Was it too cold for you? Very. Wind chill. The wind chill, yeah. So, few of short of words here, but lots of ideas coming from our driver at the moment here. And and for those who would ask, I am not driving and recording this. She is driving, so... Uh, yes. Anyways, so, the last thing I did want to say is that... Okay, so, we had a shooting in Des Moines today. We also had another one that happened over the weekend in California, and it was, it was over um, Lunar New Year, right? We had... The Chinese New Year just took place. Happy... Should be a happy time for people. And, of course, there was a shooting, and... According to what I've read in Reuters, Monterey Park police officers first knew of something happening when they responded to a dance hall, which was later identified as Star Ballroom Dance, and this was Saturday at 10.22 p.m., right, people are out celebrating late, having fun, and people were rushing out of the hall as officers went into the business, and 10 people were killed at the venue, 10 others were taken to hospitals, ranging from stable to critical in condition were treated at the USC medical center. I saw as of today, actually, I think 11 people have now died, not 10. So update there. But of course, you know, we, we don't do much about guns. So this keeps happening. And there's just a sense of just uncertainty. I mean, it's either like there's shootings in rural areas, there's shootings in busy areas, there's shootings in truck stops, there's road rage. It's like over time, just every public space, no matter where you're at is not safe, you know? And like, it's, it's just a, it's just kind of a bleak, bleak moment, but other than that, I like I said, longer episode, I will be back later in the week, but I am, I am just worried about the last thing I'll add here, and this is a total aside from everything else, is that they keep finding more documents. They didn't raid Biden's house, but <laughs> criminal investigators, law enforcement did go in and find more documents, so I think it's a nice way of saying they did get involved. But I'm just worried that, look, like it looked like they were actually going to get Trump for these classified documents at Mar-a-Lago and the fact that he was kind of not cooperating for a while and all of that fun. But now, look, Biden has... It's not the same, but it is the same what he's done. At least it'll look like it's the same in the national media, in political rhetoric and what Republicans are saying. And I'm worried that talking about this breakdown of this moral bankruptcy, I guess you could say, on the right, This is pretty much just justifying all of that now, all of it. And so, of course, the White House is not cooperating well either. Jean-Pierre, the press secretary, is being a pain in the ass over this as well. And look, like, Trump, Trump survives a lot of things, and I'm just worried that, again, this will just somewhat back up the moral bankruptcy that's existing, and instead of getting rid of it, unfortunately, the Biden administration has kind of shot themselves in the foot here. And... There's just so much chaos going on. I mean, I won't even get into the foreign policy stuff today. We'll save that for when I'm back in a prepared environment. But, you know, I was talking about armored vehicles last weekend. You have the Germans now saying they're not going to send tanks unless we do because they understand that that's a huge red line for Russia. And then the Russians said today they would respond with force if the Germans send tanks and if, or if we send tanks. And so we have just a chaotic scenario on our hands here. Of course, the Russians bombed apartment buildings over the weekend. They're sending in <laughs> sending in drug addicts now to fight for the Russian military. It's crazy. My, my thing here, without going too far into detail, is that I see this ending as a stalemate, and I see this ending as part of Crimea is part of Russia now, just because even if these tanks are given to the Ukrainian army from either the Germans or the British or the Americans, once they start getting closer to Crimea that is a red line for Russian military, and I just don't really see that ending well. So I think we have a lot of things we need to really think about deeply before we keep getting further into escalation here. So anyways, this has kind of been a chaotic all over the place episode, just sharing some thoughts while driving through Wyoming, and again, beautiful day, sun is hitting my face, hopefully we'll be in Utah by tomorrow, and, you know, all is good, so... Take care, and I'll be back with, a, with real episodes sooner than later. Adios.